everyone. I'm Elliot Volkman, and this is Moto Presents. Each week, we chat with the latest and greatest people making a difference in the mobile world. Today with me is Custom Inc.'s product manager, Beth McHugh, and U.S. designer, Jeff Lopez. On May 18th at MVPConf, they will be discussing the secret recipe for building trust with stakeholders. Before we get into it, Beth and Jeff, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your backgrounds? Um, Beth, why don't we start with you? Sure. So I'm a product manager at Custom Inc., as you said. I, I have a background in computer science and user experience. Um, I also have a lot of interest in social impact and do uh, some of that in my free time as well with Open IDEO. Can I go, Jeff? Sure. Uh, my name's Jeff, and I'm a UX lead here at Custom Inc. And uh, a lot of my background is actually in fine arts and uh, also some background in industrial design. And I found that the product development process had a tremendous amount of overlap with user experience design um, and just working in the digital realm. So I've been working with customer experiences here at Custom Inc. for the past few years and uh, have found a lot of overlap with those. So let's get started. Some of the best organizations out there advance their products and services based on ideas from within. Say a newer, less experienced team member has an idea to bring to the table. Where should they start before pitching it internally? Uh, so I really feel like that depends on the idea. Um, at Custom Inc., we work in teams called Fire Teams, so it's really a cross-functional uh, team. And so if, if they're kind of ideas related to our work, we really try to have that open environment so that those ideas come up and are discussed as a team. Um, but when it comes to larger ideas, I really feel like a, a prototype and kind of putting your ideas together or research um, really helps bring that idea to life and can help product managers and stakeholders uh, start to see the value a little bit more. Um, we did actually something similar with um, our product booster. Um, it, it started as a um, an internal uh, uh, T-shirt sign-up for raising money for, um, uh, what is it called, the mustache. I'm totally blanking. Movember? Yeah, for Movember. Um, so it was, oh, yes. it was for November, and it, it started internally, and, and um, you know, that was seeing that prototype come to life really um, drove that idea forward, and we created a whole new product uh, booster out of that. Mm -hmm. And I would say from my perspective, if it's someone that is newer to the team, uh, I would always start with research, just sort of understanding the environment that they're working in and some of the existing problems, or even just knowing the customer a little bit better. Uh, there's always so much to learn by actually talking to end users or even people in other departments. And we've found that if we just hop over to the sales service department here at Custom Inc., there's always something that we can learn from the people that are on the phones all day long. Wonderful. So that actually kind of answers a bit of both of this next question, um, choosing between, you know, should you have a concrete example if you're going to be building an app? Maybe it's a prototype example. Uh, and then on the other side, you know, should research just be sufficient? Um, how much substance do you really think you need based on, I guess, who you're pitching to, who your stakeholders are internally? So if it's your immediate team, uh, will research be sufficient? Um, and when you're going up the chain, maybe up to, you know, executives who kind of make the final decision, at what point do you really need that concrete example? I would say the two sort of, important things that I would consider would be the impact that you're looking for and the experience that you're hoping for. Those are the two things that we try to juggle as best as possible. So if you can understand you know, what is the benefit of your idea if we were to implement that, what could we do for the business, 
um, and how would that improve the customer experience? Uh, I think having a story and sort of even working with personas that are existing with a company, if you can walk stakeholders through and looking at this person's process from start to finish, how can this person do what they want to do easier and how will that also translate to improvements within the business? So a prototype is helpful to explain some of that, but I think if you have a good story and the numbers to back it up, then that can be equally as powerful. Yeah, and, and to, to piggyback on that, totally agree with everything uh, Jeff is saying. Um, I think the prototype definitely helps with that story because you're able to start to feel it because just saying, for example, um, you know, drag and drop this could really improve customer service. But if you actually see that functionality come to life with like smaller ideas, that's, that's very helpful. And when you're, when you're really pitching, I think once it goes more to stakeholders and it's larger projects, um, that's when the research is really, really critical, either, um, you know, user research or market research, um, because, you know, when it comes to investing a lot of time and money in, in an idea that we really want to have that research to back that up. But when it comes to the smaller things, you know, we kind of work within the team and, and um, talk about those ideas internally, and that doesn't necessarily need to bubble all the way up to stakeholders. Sure. So obviously a big part of research is user feedback. Um, a lot of different people and different product management and teams have different ways and different times that they start to uh, research and really interact with people. But uh, for you all, what timing, I guess, would you expect or say that is necessary to start getting feedback and maybe even just interviewing uh, users about this new concept? Uh, definitely as early as possible. I think the sooner you talk to customers, the better. Um, we usually like to start doing interviews before we make too much progress, just so we understand uh, the customer's experience to date with existing things that are already out there and sort of make sure that we are targeting the right area because it is possible sometimes that you have a project in mind, but the real pain point is something entirely different and you can have a greater impact doing something else. But we do test concepts at well, just at a very high level once we do get into actual testing. So we don't need to have something built out and functional before we start actually engaging with those end users. So we test throughout the entire process from the early interviews to the rough concept testing all the way through you know, a fully functional prototype that looks and feels like a real website. Yeah. And I'm a huge fan of uh, Marty Kagan and, and Eric Reese. And um, I think a, a difference in, in um, the product management role versus the user experience role um, a lot of the, the interviews that I'm trying to do are really to get at the value um, that customers or the, the problems that customers are really having. Um, and I think as that idea moves along, you're trying to understand, you know, is it actually working well and are, are, they, getting, are they getting confused along the way? And so I think, uh, as Jeff said, you know, throughout the whole process, but I think the type of interviews or the type of user testing that you're doing shifts depending on really where you are in the project and uh, the goals that you're trying to get from that. Um, and we also do a lot of uh, balancing of really the quantitative and qualitative. So while we're talking to users, you know, that's one input into this uh, the space where if something's out in the wild, you know, looking at the analytics around that, as well as, um, you know, the industry and our, and our gut. I mean, I think a lot of gut comes from a really good understanding of the customers, um, but we're not really testing to get a solution from the customers. We're really testing to understand the problem and that we're trying to innovate in how we actually solve that. Sure. So I'm glad that you actually mentioned Eric Reese. Um, 
this is probably a really good example that we can tie into a couple of things that you had mentioned. So with Booster, in my mind, I'm kind of picturing it's kind of like a crowdfunding slash uh, fundraising um, resource, right? Correct. Cool. So Eric is actually launching his next book directly just through Kickstarter. So in my mind, rather than just putting it out there like a regular publisher would, um, you know, he's going for a similar route, just trying to get his idea out there through Kickstarter. So, you know, it doesn't even necessarily have to be published or uh, finalized, but he's mm-hmm. selling a concept. Do you think, I guess, looking at new ideas, new concepts, does this crowdfunding world start to play a role in how products are being released? So not just even big organizations, but I guess for startups looking to just break into uh, the mainstream or I guess for early adopters, what role do you think crowdfunding will play in new concepts and new ideas? Um, I, I definitely think it could play a really big role. I mean, I think the, you know, the, the prior example is uh, Dropbox or any other um, product that was going out there before anything was really built to understand interest is that, you know, email sign up. And I think this takes that that email sign up of people who are interested in this to that to the next level. Mm-hmm. And you know who's actually going to put money towards this? Um, you can really sign up for anything; it's free. But you're actually more committed. Um, and it's one of the questions that you kind of ask when you're understanding the value of something: is would you pay for this? Um, and so if people are actually putting money towards um, this mm-hmm. you know, solution, then that I think that helps. And entrepreneurs really understand whether this idea is valuable. And from my perspective, just sort of thinking through that, uh, you know, there's common sayings that you should uh, fail often to sort of arrive at the right solution. And I think with crowdfunding, when you're asking for that sort of support earlier on, it allows you to fail sooner. And I think that can be a very valuable thing in the process to sort of understand what the sort of problems are before you've invested a a time into something like that. Yeah. And I'm actually yeah. thinking through how how we would apply this, like at you know a, a existing company. Um, so I mm-hmm. think that's uh, some something to think through a little bit more. Like there's the you, know, you see it with with brand new ideas, but how uh, how do we actually use it at, at kind of existing established companies that already have a very well established brand? And mm-hmm. and um, so I think that could be interesting too to think about. Yeah, I think that's. Uh very valid point. So there's, I can't remember which actor it was, but obviously he's got a uh, prior track record of being in larger budget films and probably some like shows. But I want to say that he launched the film concept through Kickstarter and I guess he got a little bit of negative backlash just because he was already out there. So mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see the divide between, I guess, audiences and uh, potential buyers seeing, you know, can large organizations who are already out there who have products and people are familiar with it use the same concept and model or is it really just standard and used by the little the underdogs looking to break in yeah i mean i do wonder if it's similar to an app so um i guess i've I've heard that some organizations put apps out there without their branding on it um to Mm -hmm. as a test to really understand um that concept and that audience and see if it will, will make it before putting out a much more polished, well-branded um, app. And so I wonder if it's kind of similar with Kickstarter that if it is a, a brand new idea that, you know, using that model to test that it's not under that brand or not associated with that brand and that it's 
kind of a new venture um, and, and then incorporating it back into that brand if it is a, a viable option. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a pretty clever idea too. Maybe a little bit misleading at the same time, but um, you know, if you can yeah, get out there honest. and we always want to be honest for sure. Yeah, of course. It's a testing of an idea. Right, right. Then. Of course. I mean, the other other side of that is, you know, unbranding is kind of becoming a popular thing. So, you know, we work regularly with Capital One, and they're not hiding their brand, but they're trying to really create different atmospheres. So if you go over to like their, I think it's Tyson's corner, their dig office, they don't have their regular colors everywhere. It's uh, a kind of open space. There's wood everywhere. It's really nice, but like they're not hammering the branding everywhere. So, I mean, at the same time, you know, it still can be transparent and people are getting their ideas and concepts out there, but uh, I guess bigger brands are, trying to focus more on products themselves rather than just their umbrella terms. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Cool. We love our Inky though. <laughs> our Inky, our little branding is too cute. So anything we can put him on, you know, we like to. <laughs> yeah. Brand mascots. You can't really beat that. I have to say, <laughs> um, Alexis Ohanian is probably like most notorious one for that. For any single thing that he's ever created, there's always some little mascot between like this new alien or his hipmunk chickmunk. <laughs> uh, on the flip side, what are some ways that stakeholders can embrace internal creativity and support ideation? Uh, so looking at from an established uh, team such as yourselves, uh, where would you be able to help support folks who are newer to an organization or might not have the kind of reach and relationship with stakeholders? That's a good question. Um, so, I mean, I do think that uh, relationships with stakeholders are are really important. Um, I do try to have one-on-ones, you know, even in the casual setting of going out to a cup of coffee. We have a, a lovely little coffee shop downstairs um, and trying to really build on that relationship. Um, and I think from the, the flip side of, of stakeholders, um, you know, really helping uh, the team embrace creativity and support ideation. Um, I, th- I think especially, you know, as we've been growing as a company, so I'm not sure how familiar you are with Custom Make, but we've been growing at a very crazy rate. Um, I think I started three years ago and there were like 400 people and now we're uh, uh, past 1,300 folks. Um, so we're growing at a really rapid rate. So stakeholders, um, you know, were more in um, the details in terms of the, the projects. And so we've been having to adapt in terms of our process and communication um, to really help get the, you know, the conversations that are most valuable around strategy and how and the direction that we're moving um, and helping, you know, remove roadblocks. Um, and so I think trying to uh, ha- make sure that those conversations remain uh, focused on really, you know, what we're trying to achieve and, and the vision that we're trying to, to get to. Um, I think it's it's part of the um, the team and the you know product manager's role to really help keep those conversations in in that vein. Yeah, I don't really have too much to add to what Beth <laughs> said, but uh, I think the real big thing in there is just communication, frequent communication. Uh, it's really easy to put off stakeholder meetings until you know, designated check-ins or more formal meetings, but the more you can have 
that sort of informal conversation, hallway chat, uh, anytime that you can include them in the process earlier on, sort of share those ideas when they're just starting out. And a lot of times stakeholders have great ideas and comments on those early thoughts. And being able to engage them sooner makes it much easier to work through something creative um, and really make headway on that in the future. Yeah, and we're talking more about this, obviously, in our in our talk. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really bringing them along the path. Um, I think sometimes, uh, I know in, in earlier in my career, I'd want to wait until, you know, this product is perfect or especially in user experience, you know, wait until I had everything figured out. Mm -hmm. um, and I think waiting too long, um, you get a little bit too tied to a solution and it's harder to kind of work backwards. Uh, whereas having those, those frequent check-ins, you know, starting from a very early concept level um, before getting down into the details really helps not only give the stakeholders an idea of, of where you're heading, but also get the type of feedback that really helps you come out with the best product in the end. Yeah, I think that's a great response to that. So, you know, melding the two between stakeholder feedback and user feedback, um, you know, at what point do you really start to kind of mesh that into a narrative that stakeholders can start getting feedback? Because, you know, all organizations are different. Um, and, you know, there's sometimes conflict as well. But at what point do you have enough research that you can kind of push back on maybe internal leadership or stakeholder feedback that might put a product in not necessarily the best direction? <laughs> Yeah, so um, I think one thing is we're really lucky at Custom Inc. that our stakeholders are, um, you know, really in tune to customers and that our primary goal is really creating the best customer experience um, from on the phones to on the site. Um, and so that's one of the reasons why I started at Custom Inc. Um, because I think that's <laughs> sometimes difficult to, to find in some organizations where truly, you know, we're trying to build the best customer experience. Um, and so I think that helps us in some ways in that conversation um, because it's not all about the business goals that we're trying to achieve. Um, you know, conversion is obviously part of the conversation, but it's not at the expense of um, the customer experience. So if we, if we could see that, you know, this path would increase conversion, but we're realizing that it's actually going to cause a lot of pain for the customers that we're, we're having those conversations and not just immediately doing something that is going to increase conversion. Um, so I think in the past I've had more of that, that um, difficult balance. Um, and uh, when I was in user experience, I'm sorry to speak on user experience behalf, but um, I found a lot of value in videotaping and recording um, customers that you talk to and actually showing them the pain points. Um, you know, you can say, you can build a report and say that seven customers said this and, you know, four, you can, you can talk to it, but actually having video and having the customer's voice um, really changed the perspective of stakeholders in past projects that I've worked on. Yeah, and I will <laughs> agree with Beth that we don't really have that issue so much here at Customing just because our stakeholders are so involved and so in tune with customers, I think are the words that Beth used. But uh, yeah, being able to share testing videos, I've gotten really great feedback from stakeholders where they've come away with so much just from watching a person you know, use a prototype, use something that's on the site. So being able to share that does make a big difference. But you really have to sort of know your stakeholders, know who you're talking to, and 
sort of speak their language because there are times where maybe the research we've done and testing has hinted at something, but they're more focused on sort of a business goal. So we do A-B testing as well. If there's something that we feel like it needs to be out there in the wild and actually see metrics, we're not scared to do that. And it might just be a very small percentage, but if we can actually get real data and say, and this is what's happening, you can see it based on real customers on the website, and then that can be a very powerful argument that sort of breaks that lock of you know, differing opinions and brings that third voice into the picture. So looking to the future, what comes next? Uh, you know, obviously you're, you know, there's uh, webs, there's booster, um, but are there any cool projects that you all are working on that are kind of, you know, based on these internal ideas and the user feedback that you're uh, very much focused on? Yeah. Um, so I will say we have a lot of things in the works right now. Um, I'm not exactly sure how much I can speak to the things that are in the works, but, sure. um, you know, talking about Booster and um, one more recent thing, too, is uh, what we call group order forms. Um, so one of the pain points of our customers is around, you know, they have these, we focus on groups and groups of people because we really believe t-shirts help bring people together and, you know, build that community feeling and, and build that sense of purpose around a common cause. And the challenges that we, a big challenge that we saw is, you know, someone would have to upfront that money and then have to collect them and, you know, nag people to actually give them money. Um, and so we have a really cool tool out there that allows people to not only collect the sizes from their groups virtually, but also collect payment. Um, so you can set up a group order form, um, send an email out to your group, and they can uh, put their size, choose the size that they want, and, and pay um, online. And we've seen a lot of customers very happy around that, that tool. That sounds awesome. I mean, you know, I mentioned this before we were uh, on the call, but, um, you know, I run a nonprofit. I can't tell you how much of a pain it is trying to coordinate with, like, 30 people what shirt sizes they are, and then making sure that people actually pay. So that sounds like a really great resource. Yeah, we're excited about getting getting that out into the wild. Very cool. Um, so where can people learn more about both of you? Uh, you know, are you guys on Twitter? Do you blog? Um, where can people kind of find you all across the web? So I, I sadly use Twitter um, personally. I, I've Need to, I need to get a little bit more uh, professional on that, but um, but I, I think I would love like if anybody is interested in talking more, I mean feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn, and um, I guess I I like to have even though I'm in the digital world, I like to have those types of relationships offline too, and grabbing a cup of coffee and and catching up, um, you know, one on one, I think is really a great way. So people can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Sure. Yeah, and then yeah, I certainly wouldn't call myself a hermit necessarily, but at the same time, I'm pretty horrible with a lot of the uh, social media that's out there. So I don't have too much going out there in the web at the moment. But uh, as Beth said, even just a cup of coffee, something chatting with somebody in person is always great, having that face-to-face conversation. And here at Custom Inc., we're very proud of the culture that we've built here. So even just coming into the office and getting to experience what we've built here uh, a tour mm-hmm. even we're always happy to do yeah, that yeah and we have free lunches on thursdays so we like to bring in you know anyone who's interested in any of the open job positions or want to get to know customing um that's also something that we do here um as well and there's a froyo machine 
I've brought some friends in for some froyo. It's unfortunately right by our offices. <laughs> so of course. trouble. That's yeah, that sounds like a actually really cool idea. Um might have to link up with you all and uh help get the word out for some of those events that you all have. Bring some cool That's folks fun. to you. Yeah, and another another place I'm just really is more on the, the personal end, but um I run a open IDO meetup group in D C community. So if anybody's interested in getting more involved in social impact and um and knows of open IDO that they can find that meetup group as well. Perfect. We'll definitely make sure we get the word out on that. Uh, well, thank you all so much for your time. Um, you know, I personally am definitely looking forward to your session at MVPCom. And I can assure you that all of our attendees will very much enjoy it as well. Um, but again, thank you for your time and all the information experience that you have shared today. Um, and we look forward to hearing from you all at the conference. Awesome. Thanks so much, Elliot. Thank you.